So we're in our fourth week of this series called We Church, Not Me Church. Uh, we believe that we're called to do this together. The scripture says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. But basically, instead, he says, gather together and cheer each other on towards good works. Uh, this is God's design for us to come together and be together and encourage one another and cheer each other on. And um, we believe that that's a big deal here. And so it's about a we church, not a me church. And uh, I live for the church. I love the church. I still believe that the church, like Pastor Bill Heibel says from Chicago, he says that the church, the local church, is the hope of the world. Why is that? It's because it's the body of Christ. Uh, it's literally, you know, Jesus saying, hey, uh, I've ascended into heaven. You're going to go and do great works. He gives us the great commission. Go into all the land with an urgency. Go out and reach people and serve people. Baptize them and, and get them saved and reach them and love them and all that stuff. Disciple them, all that uh, and then he says, you can even do greater works than what I've even done. He's equipped us to win here as a body of Christ. Amen. And so I still believe in the church. I believe that it plays a huge role in our communities. I believe it plays a huge role in our lives. And uh, we were just at that church conference, as I mentioned, and there's a, a speaker who was sharing. Uh, they run the Los Angeles Dream Center, uh, which is a recovery ministry just for all different kinds of levels of um, just great, unique ministry. And um, they get this uh, people come into them all the time, you know, uh, who should we vote for? And what are you looking for in the government? And what do you think this person should be doing? And how should America be? And, uh, and, and the answer is always, it really doesn't matter. Uh, you know, obviously we, we pray and we vote. I'm actually going to talk about that in a few weeks, that it's important for us to vote. It's important for us to do all that kind of stuff. But the scripture says that the nations are on his shoulders. Amen. Government rests on God. Amen. And uh, what happens is a lot of church turns to government and says, when are they going to fix that? When are they going to fix that? And they're looking for government to fix issues that are actually just sin issues. And who fixes sin? Only God can solve sin. Government can't fix sin, right? Uh, Supreme, and so we, we put, you know, court systems and we vote people in that are going to, you know, uphold things that we believe to be the values of God so that we can run this nation in a way that people can be free and sin doesn't win, right? You're with me? But ultimately, the church is set here to reach people and love people and set people free and build people up to live the purpose that God created for them. Amen? And so I just love that I believe in the church. I believe that the church, even though statistics say it's declining and it doesn't have the uh, effect that it used to have, I believe that God is still going to use the church and he's coming back for a bride that he loves and we should love it too. Amen? Amen? There are some significant challenges, though, that we see in the church. I'll do a little bit of recap uh, from the past couple of weeks. There's some significant challenges we see in the church that if we don't address them, we could see uh, the church as we know it dissolve. And uh, we know that, you know, God is not going to let the church dissolve and go away. But it's also important for us to be people who can discern the times. Uh, Jesus actually mentions at one time, he kind of sends a rebuke. He says, look, you can understand the way of the wind. You can understand the way of the storms. Uh, but basically, I rebuke you that you don't understand the ways of the spirit, that you're not understanding the climate that you live in. So it's important for us to understand what's going on in culture. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about as a church. And so one of the major issues facing modern church uh, falls into the category of this word engagement. Uh, if you weren't here with us in the last couple of weeks, we talked much about 
this word engagement with the body of Christ and with church. And I would say it like this. When you're engaged, you're a couple and you're engaged. You're so engaged with one another. You do everything together. You just everything and you're so engaged. You're so connected. And it's that way when we first get saved. We're so connected to the church and, we, and, and God and we're so engaged. But then what happens sometimes over time in marriage is you get distracted. You get busy. Maybe you start a career or you have kids and you have these things or even selfishness can creep in. But stuff comes in and disengages you from the way it maybe was in the beginning. And that can happen in church too. We can be serving God for a while and then life gets busy and things happen and we let ourselves become disengaged. But disengaged is a very unhealthy thing. God actually said, I need you to be hot or cold, but I can't have you in the middle. I can't have you stuck in neutral. I need you one way or the other because I need to know where you stand on things. Uh, I thought about it like this. You know, we say in our cars, you have park, reverse, neutral, and drive. Drive would be engaged. You have the power of the machine. You're engaged. The gears are in place. You're going forward. Neutral would be you're disengaged. And I see there's a lot of churches stuck in neutral and disengaged, and they don't have the power of God leading them. They don't have the, the ways of God leading them. The people aren't behind it. They're just kind of sitting there disengaged. We need to be people as a church that we're engaged in all the power that we have. Amen? And so disengagement is something we have to battle. Barna Research Group says that the number of this category called none is rising. Uh, they used to do statistics and say, hey, what's your religious affiliation? And they, even if they did or didn't go to church, they would at least say, well, we're Catholic or I'm Baptist or whatever. They would give an affiliation. But now the category that's growing is this category called none. I have no religious affiliation. I, I'm not connected uh, to the things of God. And the problem with that is if we believe, which we do, that God is our creator and he has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for our life, if you're categorizing yourself as somebody who has no connection to your creator, you're never going to discover your purpose here on earth. It's terrible that the category of none is growing. And then what we also know is if you're disconnected from the body, if I were to, you know, grossly chop my hand off and set it over there, I mean, you know, it would die. It would wither and it would die. And it's the same thing we see when people are disconnected from the body of Christ and the call of God on their lives. They don't make it. They just, they just don't finish the race. How many are with me? Because God called us to be connected. Uh, he even said this when it comes to our church and, and gathering together. He even made it a command that, hey, make sure one day a week you're devoting yourself to gathering together a day for me and a day of rest. Make sure on that day you're, you're, you're seeking after me and you're resting. And uh, he commanded us to have a Sabbath. Uh, we pick up in Acts chapter 2 where you first get the first look at what the church should look like. Uh, 50 days before uh, Jesus ascends into heaven, he gives the great commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, reach people, love people, serve people, gives them that whole thing, tells them he's, you know, uh, commissioned them to go do great things. And you see the picture of it first here in Acts 2.41, Peter begins to describe that they were a people who devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship, communion and prayer. So they were a people that were what? Engaged. This describes engagement. This isn't hit, skip, and miss, and try a little church, and try a little this. No, these were people who were devoted to the work of God in their community. And then the scripture says that many signs and wonders followed them. Why? Because we're engaged, and when we're participating, and we're working as the body, God can put his hand on that and move. Amen? Amen? Look, I am the one who's supposed to have jet lag. And you guys are awfully quiet this morning. Is it because it got cold out? Is that, is that what it is? Listen, okay. We'll keep going then. You just stay with me. When I see 
when God sees people who are committed and engaged, the scripture also goes on to say in Acts chapter 2 that the Lord added to their number daily. So they continued to grow and continued to have influence and continued to make a difference in their community. 1 Corinthians 9.19, we touched on it a little bit last week, but he says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. One translation says it like this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win as many as possible. What are we talking about? We're talking about souls. We're talking about reaching people. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about the non-believer, those who, until they come into the <coughs> excuse me, knowledge of God, they're on their way to hell. We believe hell is real, and we believe that it's for eternity. And do you know that statistically 6,300 people will die every hour, and they will stand before judgment, and they're either going to an eternity in heaven or eternity in hell? It matters that we be a people that do all that we can to reach as many as possible. Amen? This church and your life in Christianity isn't about you finding a way to live your most blessed life. It's about us emptying hell and taking it to heaven. Amen? We have to be about what it's about, the gospel, reaching people. I command you, go into all the world. He's saying, with the, look, this one, his sign-off, Jesus' mic drop was this, do this, go into all the world and preach, and reach people, and love people, and serve people. He didn't say, go build beautiful Christian homes, and put bumper stickers on your car, and tell people how nice God is. No, he's like, have a pet. Go reach people. He said it with an urgency, too. All throughout scripture, he would say, hey, you got to be a people who put your hand to the plow, and don't look back. Don't take your eye off the focus. You got to get in there and grind. Amen. There's one story where uh, this guy is going to follow Jesus, and he says, uh, Jesus, hey, come, come do this with me. Let's go do this thing. Let's build the kingdom. And he says, hey, uh, but my, you know, so-and-so has died over here. Let me go bury them. And Jesus actually responds with, let the dead bury the dead. Don't be distracted with all of these good excuses for why we aren't pressing toward reaching people. Now, I believe in funerals and honoring your loved ones. You're going to have to talk to Jesus about that one. I just share what he wrote or what has been written. Amen. But this is what the scripture is saying. Look, you, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. I'm talking to church people. You're saved. You love God. God loves you. Love, love. We got all our bumpers. That's great. But that's not what it's all about. You get saved so you can be equipped and you learn and get knowledge and you get discipled so that you can go make a difference and do what the scripture says. Hey, I'm free to do, live however I want, but I'm choosing to serve people so we can win as many as possible. That needs to be our mindsets when it comes to our schedules and our lifestyles and our resources. Hey, I'm free to do whatever I want. I can live however I want. I can, I, and I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about in God. I can live however I want but I'm choosing to, to build my life in a way that I'm taking as many people with me to heaven, amen? The body of Christ has always been and will always be about others. The body of Christ has always been and will always be about others. Christianity is very much about others. Problem is our filter works like this. We do unto others as they deserve to be done. Or we say things like this. I'll do unto others as they have done unto you. So, oh, you know, yeah, we, you know, we should really do that for them because they did that thing for us, right? How many have ever used that filter? Don't raise your hand, but right? Like, and we, so we run all these filters through. We make our decisions about how we interact and how we serve and how we love others based on these meters that are really selfish of ours. Do unto others as your mood would have it. 
well, I don't know if I feel like I should go and da-da-da. Do unto others as to get them to see your way. That's a huge one that we do. I'm going to treat this person this way to try to get them to see things my way. My relationship with them is all about getting them to this. My selfish way, my manipulation to get them to keep doing this. But God's command about how we do unto others is God called us to do unto others as he has done unto us. Well, what did he do to us? He forgave us when we were unforgivable. He loved us when we were unlovable, right? He loved us when we were put together. He saw us before we were even here in our mother's room. God always makes us priority. God called us to love people the way he loves, and God always makes us priority. You can start in Genesis, and you can go all the way back to Revelation, and the story is always about God making you a priority because he loves us and he cares for us. Our story of our whole life should start with you loving people to the end of your life, how you've loved and served others. Amen? I thought about this. We think we have it nailed. We think we're doing super Christian when we're real good at these things. Oh, we worship real good, and we know all the songs, and we know all the motions, and we do it all right, and we're doing real good. We got that, and we know how to pray real good and say all the right things, and we fast real good, and we know the Bible real good, and we, we think we've made it as super Christian. But 1 John 4.20 says that if you say that you love me and you hate your brother, how does the love of God abide in you? How, how do you have the love of God in you if you aren't somebody who has love for others? If you aren't somebody who considers and serves others, how can you say that you have the love of God in you? Because the love of God in you is somebody who lays down their life and serves others. That's good. Thank you. Amen. Good. Listen, I might be a little wound up because when we were at Disneyland, my wife made me go on the Ferris wheel. And that was messed up to do that because I'm afraid of heights. And the worst part about it was, um, you know, it's Disney. And so there's ridiculous lines. And so I was like, oh, I can do this. I can, I can get in that cart. And go around. And of course, my one and a half year old, he didn't care. He's hanging off the cage. My three and a half year old daughter is like taking pictures. And, you know, and I'm like, try not to pee my pants. And so, uh, and so the problem with the ride is, you know, it moves and then it stops. And, and when that happened the first time, I realized what the rest of my night is going to look like because they let more people in the cart. So you know what's going to happen to me when we get to the top of this thing, which I think it said in the book, it's like 40,000 feet high on the book. It said that. And, um, and so we get to the top and it's stopped, you know, and there's like, you know, death all around me. And I'm still grouchy about that. And so I might just take it out on you this morning in my sermon. Amen. <laughs> the worst part too, I finally got, I finally got done. We, we, we went all the way around. And I started breathing again, and we got to the bottom. And I kid you not, it's like we stopped. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to open the cage. You know, the guy's yelling at me, don't let yourself out. You know, and I'm like trying to, and then I was like, dun, 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 dun. it started to go again. I was like, God, no. Like, the word, we had to go two times. Yeah, I said, Surely the Lord has forsaken me. Um, <clears throat> so we show the love of God, the meter that we show godliness in our life. Is how we love others. Not how good we worship, not how good we, and that stuff's all super important. We believe in that stuff. But if you're just doing all that, I don't think hell gets real scared. 
of us getting our worship down real good, and that's all important. And it does, you know, you get me. But if all you're doing is for yourself, and we're not turning that and using that, Scripture said that we're blessed to be a blessing. Meaning, everything you get from God is to give to somebody else. Amen. We are funnels, not reservoirs. So everything God does in us is to give to somebody else. Amen. Galatians five thirteen says this scripture we read earlier in a different way. It says, for you, brethren, have, called, have been called to liberty or freedom. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And we think of the word serve as like slavery. Like, oh, I got to serve. Oh, I got to serve. I'm going to be, bound. oh, they want me to come to church again. I got to put that on my back and serve and go. But no, this, this word here to serve is to say, like, I have God's best in my life. Here, have some of this. Have you ever gone to somebody's house and they made this great meal? You can't wait to serve that to somebody? Oh, you got to try this. It's the best. That's what it's talking about. Look, I, I've been given freedom. I have liberty. I'm so free in this. You have to, I'm going to serve this to you. You have to participate in this. Amen? And so it's a serving. It's an honor to be able to give to somebody this which you have that God has given you. Amen? Serve is not slavery. Serve is to see a need and fix it. Just to be a people who serve our communities and our schools and our job places. It's just people say, hey, there's a need over there. I'm going to go meet that need. That's to be somebody who serves. Serve is a lifestyle, not a job description. I hate it when so many people in the church come and say, well, you know, I'd really like to, you know, this. You know, I'll really serve God when uh, maybe the church could hire me. And you see it with young ministers all the time. Oh, I really got this dream to, you know, to be this and to get to this. And, you know, I know God's called me to be this, but I can't do it until I'm hired, until I have the job description. No, you just get in and serve where you are. You start in and start giving your best right now. Amen. And that's actually what opens the door for you. Um, serve. Serve is when you see a need and meet it. Is when you just see a need and meet it. I'm going to say something a little edgy, but I want you to hear me when I come full circle on it. So don't write down this part and then get all mad at me and email me. But I thought about it like this. Jesus didn't come to do miracles. Jesus didn't come to do miracles. Jesus didn't come to give historical speeches. That wasn't the intent. He wasn't sent to show off and do miracles. He wasn't sent to give historical speeches. Now, we realize that he set the course of the gospel with what he displayed and what he lived. And so I reverence the holy word. I know it's inspired of God. I'm not taking anything away from that. But what I am saying here is that his purpose, as he said, was I came to seek and save the lost. His mission here was what we're going to talk about here in a minute, is he said this. He said, look, I have come to serve, not be served. His mission was to come as God, redeem us, seek and save the lost, serve us, and in that, miracles and historical speeches and all the things that he changed came through him being a person who came to serve us. Are you with me? Are you comfortable with that? Because a lot of times what we do as Christians is we would love to just show up on the scene and try to work up a miracle. You know, we get to a long worship thing and we want to see a miracle. Or, you know, we, we, we think it's a real big move of God when somebody gives a historical sermon. And we get real excited. Boy, that was a really good thesis. And they put it in a book and we think it's a thing. But if we actually don't use any of those things to serve people and seek and save the lost, then we've missed it by a mile. Amen? 
So I thought about this. Um, Christine Kane uh, is an awesome uh, communicator. She's got a great uh, campaign called the A21 campaign, uh, doing some really good justice work. And um, she was at the conference we were at. She made this statement, which I thought was just unbelievable. She said it in a couple ways, but I'll say it one way today. She said, God has called us to be co-laborers with Christ, not co-stars. And we've turned church into, I want to get from God and I want to learn this so that I can look better with God as a co-star of God. And I want to live the blessed life and I want to put all this together so I can be this co-star. But God's called us to be co-laborers with him. People who get down in the trenches and do the dirty work. Those that can put their hand to the plow, like I mentioned, and not look back. Somebody say amen. We need to be people that are in it to co-labor with God. There's so many people in this room. You have dreams and passions and gifts, and you're not laboring. You're not trusting God to grind it out. You're not trusting God to, to, to push those things through. And the reason I even say that is because I know that your most fulfilled life is when you're doing what God designed you to do. So stop waiting for the next season, and then I'll serve, and then when we get to this, I'll serve, and when we get over this season, you know, we just had a couple kids, and we just said, no, co-labor with God and watch your dreams come true. Amen? All right. Verse 14, it says this, for the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The law everything, the historic, everything that he came and shared and that they lived on, he said, is all fulfilled in this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, as much as you love yourself. You could say it this way. Consider others as much as you consider yourself. I thought about it like this. Imagine if right now we all in this room would say, uh, yeah, I love God. I want to see the world changed, and uh, we want to empty hell, and, and I believe God's going to raise up a generation, and we're going to see revival, and, and God's going to change the world, and we would use all that vernacular, and I believe he's going to do it, and I'm with him, and I'm for it, and we're going to seek and save the lost, but literally right now, if you were to go into another room, and Jesus walked in, and he said, hey, I heard that you believe that we can change the world. I heard that you believe that we can say, seek and save the lost and we can empty hell. I heard that you believe that. Uh, tell me how we're doing that. Tell me the measures that we've put in place in your life to do that. Would you be able to stand before Jesus and say, well, look at this. Here's my calendar. Here's where I've made serving a priority. Here's where I'm seeking and saving the lost in this. And here's where I believe if I give God this, we can change the world. Because that's actually going to come a day where we stand before God and he says, hey, give me an account for what you've done with your life. You stand before God and you say, hey, you know that life that I gave you that the scripture says is just a vapor, it's just a quick thing? We get to give an account for that. And a lot of people would beat you on the head and say, you have to give an account for that. But I would say it to you like this, we get to give an account for that. And we have the great responsibility to be able to say, God, look at how I manage my schedule. Look at how I manage my resources. Look at how I raise my kids. Look at how I love my community. I gave you my best. And then God gets the honor of saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Now enter into your rest. Enter into the best. Enter into everything you worked for. But I wonder how many of us, we'd look at our calendars and we would see, we use strong terms like God can change the world. He can seek and save the lost. We can change our communities, but we don't put much energy behind that. 
I'll keep going. That's for another church, really. Just tell one of your friends about that. John 13, we pick up with this. Jesus is gathering the 12, and it's kind of all at the end of the story before he goes to the cross. And at this time, he gathers up, of course, Judas, who we know is going to betray him, Peter, who will deny him, and the rest of the disciples will run away from him. And so at this time, he has betrayers, deniers, cowards, and he knows all this. And in verse 3, as that group of betrayers, deniers, cowards, as those are all gathered around him in verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel which he had girded. Now they carried this towel. It was like his own towel. It was a part of his uh, wardrobe, if you will. And, uh, you know, there was different things that prayer shawls and different things that they sort of equipped themselves with as rabbis. And so this wasn't just like he grabbed a towel. It was his towel. It was his thing. Uh, girded to him. And so he takes this, and the scripture says that he begins to wipe their feet, which he had had girded. So it was a very significant moment. And I thought about it like this. Jesus, who was perfect, perfect, 100% right, no sin in his life, had all knowledge, knew he was going to ascend to heaven, knew the whole thing and was perfect. Yet he was a person who said, I have such an understanding. No matter how much good I have in my life, I have all this put together. I've done all this. I've earned all this, if you will. I have all of this going for me. He was a person who had better things that he could be doing. Nobody would have got mad at Jesus if he would have been, you know, had a thing and went on and done more. He could have said, oh, I got better things going. But instead, he was a person who got down and served and washed the feet of these people who he knew were betrayers and cowards and deniers. How many of us could say, well, you know, I could go there and serve or I could participate in that, but really I got better things to do. You know, I got the kids and I got the career and I got this, you know, we're trying to save enough money to get into that neighborhood and do this and do that. And we got all of these good excuses why we have better things to do. But instead, Jesus is like shows the way by saying, no. It doesn't matter where your status or position is. Be a people who get down and serve with what matters to you. Are you with me? He leads the way in this. He's like, give your best in this. And he served, verse 12, and it said, when he had washed their feet, I'll close with this. And when he had washed their feet, he, take, he had taken his garments and sat down and he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, for I've given you an example that you should do as I've done unto you. Essentially, Jesus gathered the betrayers, the deniers, the cowards, and he served them. He gathered the outcast and the undeserving, and he served them. I hope our schedules reflect that we are a people who can find the undeserving. Like Vanessa talked about last week, we find the lonely and we wash their feet. Hey, you may not be deserving. Hey, you might've made a bunch of mistakes, but you know what? I'm here to serve you because I'm here to seek and save the lost because 6,300 people in this hour service will face eternity. And I wanna be able to say we did everything that we could to serve and love and seek and make a difference in their life, amen? And then after this, he goes and hangs on the cross for who? The betrayers, the liars, the backbiters, the sinners. Why? Because he gets what it's about. 
It's about taking the freedom that we have and giving it to somebody else. Amen? Verse 16, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Later on, he goes on to say, for I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life. The purpose of a church is to not be served, but it's to serve and give our lives to our communities and to others. Amen? And obviously the purpose of the church is to worship God and bring him glory and and lift up his name and all that kind of stuff. But we are here to serve our communities. We're here to love others. It's like what we say, loving others toward God. We cannot be a disengaged, neutral church who just goes through the motions. We have to be a people who make a difference if we want to make a difference in our communities. Amen? We have to be different. It's frustrating for me that I can go to Disneyland and Mickey Mouse gets it better, gets it more right than the house of God. Everywhere we went, everywhere, you'd be waiting in line, piece of paper on the ground, sweeping guy, sweeping it up. If he noticed a kid by him, stopped everything. Hey, princess, you gonna have fun today? You gonna see blah, blah, blah today? Everybody, you'd go up to the counter to take out a loan to buy a sucker. And uh, before they even picked up your item, they leaned over the counter. Hey, princess. Hey, I forgot what they called the boys. Charlie, what a hey, prince. What I don't even know. But they all went crazy out of the way. I'm talking about security guy. You had to walk through with like the wand and lines and lines of people. So come up, hey, you're going to have a great day today. You're going to see, you're going to have so much fun. I wonder if it could be the happiest place on earth because they understand something about serving and speaking life over others. Obviously, they're making a lot of money on the other side, so they're pretty happy about that. But shouldn't it be the church that every corner you go around We have so many people serving and so many people engaged, not disengaged. So many people who say our mindset is to seek and save the lost. We have so many people around every corner. Hey, guy. Hey, champ. Hey, princess. You're going to have a great day today. Did you sing your songs yet? Did you do your memory verse? Did you get to hear the Bible story? Oh, that's the best. Come on. If Mickey Mouse can do it, how much more should the church be able to serve and love and, and come down and wash the feet of the undeserving? Amen? So here's what I want to do. We could have had a big table out there and signed up a bunch of people to serve and be a part of this. I don't want it to come that way. I want us this week to go back in our quiet time and to go back to God and say, hey, if I'm stewarding my calendar in a way that I believe God can change the world with me, that God can use me to seek and save the lost. The scripture says when he left, he said, listen, you can do even more than I've done. I'm giving you a helper, the Holy Spirit, to help you be successful Go and win and go and do great things. You're set up to win. So this week, let's ask God, God, how can you use me? God, how can I uh, better serve my community? How can I be somebody who, uh, and maybe it's here. Maybe you just find another area to plug in or you can give another week uh, a month and, and do something ridiculous, ungodly, just unbelievable, like serve two times in one month. 
that's nobody here. Um, I'm just messing with you guys. But for real, I'm saying if Jesus is our example, he said no servant is greater than their master. If he's somebody who could have been real busy with a whole bunch of other good things, but instead he was somebody who laid down his life for others, I mean, we should follow in that example, amen? God is positioning this church to take a step really for what we're designed to do. We've had good church and good kids ministry and good, but back over here, they're currently throwing some paint on what we're gonna call our outreach center. I don't know how much they talked about it last week. But that over there is our towel. It's us saying to our community, hey, let us serve you. Let us wash your feet. Let us mentor your kids in school. Let us make sure they have groceries. This is us saying, hey, maybe undeserving, maybe whatever, but we want to come in love and we want to make a difference. Amen. Jesus, we, we all think a good church movement is, well, now they're a pastor or they've gone through this. I love this statement. Jesus wasn't into titles. He was into towels. That needs to be our mindset. How can I go out and wash the feet of somebody? How can I go make a difference? And you can do it in your jobs. Amen? So this week, we're going to pray and ask God, God, where are the margins? Where are the places that I can be somebody who it's said about my life that I am about seeking and saving the lost? I prioritize my life <coughs> to fulfill the Great Commission. I'm urgently going into all the world and preaching the good news baptizing and discipling people so that that 6,300 and some make their way to heaven every time. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for what you're doing here. God, we know that your heart is for us. God, we know that when we serve and we give, you honor it. God, your word promises that when we put first the kingdom of God, everything else is added to us. God, every natural need, every desire, Lord, you give back to us when we put you first. And so God, help us be a people who prioritize you, not for what we can get, but for what we can give to those that we're trying to reach, that we're trying to seek and save. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, your comforter, who can lead us and guide us in all ways. God, we wanna be a people who hear your voice and do what you call us to do. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for God real quick.